Well, thank you for joining me today on Financially Speaking. My name is Mitch Slater. I'm a Senior Vice President and Financial Advisor with UBS Wealth Management in Westfield, New Jersey. Where, along with my partners, Ann and Crystal, we do our best to bring you advice beyond investing and address our clients' most challenging financial needs. It's my sincere hope that each and every episode of this podcast will educate you on personal finance and real-life business issues of the day. So let's jump right in. Today, we're looking at the business of podcasting. I'd like to start out with a quote from Miranda Katz of Wired. People are really listening and want to consume all of the content that is there and available. There's a level of dedication that comes from podcast listeners that you don't otherwise find. And now the numbers prove it. Podcasts aren't a bubble. They're a boom. And that boom is only getting louder. Welcome to Financially Speaking. This is Mitch Slater. And this week, we're going to talk about the business of podcasting with Jacob Bozarth, who's the CEO and founder of Resonate Recording. And John Street is the operations manager. Now, full disclosure, they are my podcasting team that I'm using to bring you this show. And they happen to be into New York today from beautiful Louisville, Kentucky, home of some of my favorite bourbons. And we'll get there later. Welcome, guys. Thanks, Mitch. So let's start out with a little bit about your backgrounds and what led you to starting Resonate and kind of becoming a force in this brave new world. Jake? Yeah, so I actually went to school for recording audio specifically down in Nashville, Tennessee, home of country music and many other beautiful genres of music. As you may not know, it's really hard to get a job in the audio space, especially out of college, especially if you don't have connections and networks in the in the industry. And so, yeah, shortly after college, myself and my co-founder, some of our friends asked us if we could mix a podcast for them. And so we said, sure, we'll give it a try. Started mixing their podcast. And then I think we just realized the opportunity there of how many really good podcasts there were out there, but the audio quality was bad. And so we really wanted to kind of help fill that need in that space. Now, when you were in school, podcasting was already a thing. Give me the origin of podcasting. I mean, when's the, yeah. is, there, is there an official beginning date? Yeah, so 2004 is whenever podcasting originally was kind of began. But yeah, even in college, I didn't have any classes on podcasting or, you know, mixing spoken audio. It was all about music, really, in my particular degree at MTSU. And yeah, it was really kind of before the podcasting boom took off whenever I graduated from college in 2011. And I would say really in the last three to four years, 2016, 2017 is when we've really seen kind of the podcasting boom take off. And so I went full-time with Resonate in 2017. And now we have, yeah, a team about 30. Wow. John, tell us your background. Yeah. So, I mean, historically, I've always had kind of a background working with people, whether it's in customer service or working with teams in some sort of a leadership or management component actually had a a stint in financial services as well. But I joined the Resonate team back in January of 2018, so just over two years ago. Kind of long story short, I actually was in Louisville trying to get out of the way of a hurricane in South (laughs) Florida where I was living and met up with a good friend of mine who I'd gone to school with. Just got a chance to reconnect and tell him that I was looking for kind of a new opportunity, really was looking for something with a a young company, an ability to just kind of dig my roots in and and really grow with the company. So little did I know, probably about three or four weeks later, he connected me with Jacob and Resonate was kind of at the place where there was starting to gain a lot of momentum and a lot of traction. Jacob needed some support and some help. And so one thing led to another and I moved up to Louisville. Timing is everything. And it's funny listening to you talk about 
studying music and, and recording. And I go back to when I was in school in the dark ages at GW from 1978 to 82 when I was a radio and TV major. So I also studied editing and it was very, very different because we were cutting, we were splicing and it was a thing of perfection. You know, who knew? Who knew? So let's let's talk a little bit about some of the common traits that you guys are finding with the podcast you're working on that are that are really catching on. Start with that and maybe some that are struggling, and then we'll get a little deeper into podcasting. Yeah, so I guess I'll kick off. I think really one of the, the biggest common traits that we're finding with podcasters is that it's really just a way for people to get their message and their voice out for people to hear. So it's really just an opportunity for whatever the message might be for people just to be able to come, have a captive audience, and just share with people. So I think there's a lot of flexibility when it comes to podcasting as far as style and length, and I'm sure we'll probably get into some of that here and some future questions. But I think really the beauty of podcasting is that you really can make it whatever you as a podcaster want it to be. So I don't know if you have anything you want to add to that. Yeah, I would just say specifically for the podcasts that we work with that I see that are doing really well and are catching on, even starting with one of our early clients who kind of was a hit podcast up and vanished. There's a level of authenticity, I think, with podcasting, specifically for the podcasts that do really well. There's a really low barrier to entry to start a podcast. And I think that's one of the beautiful things, as John mentioned, about podcasting that kind of anyone can come out and share their message. But really, for me, I see the podcasts that really catch on is people feel a deep connection with those podcasters that are very authentic, very transparent in their message, in their story, whether it's an investigative podcast or it's a financial or a business style podcast, you know, that kind of transparency goes a long way and crosses the barriers, no matter the category of the podcast. When you sit down with a, a real novice in this world, all right, what do you ask them to see if this is the right medium for them? So you've got 700,000, at least at last check, podcasts out there. Apparently, a new podcast is starting every four minutes or something like that. Actually, I heard that there's more podcasts starting every day than babies being born, which is <laughs> wow. really interesting. Wow. Why do you think podcasting has touched a nerve with the U.S. population, both consumers and businesses? Why is it growing and so popular? Yeah. So I'd say the great thing about podcasting is that it is so accessible. It's actually one of the things that we're going to be talking about here as we're in town. We're going to be addressing a group tomorrow, really just talking about a number of things, but one of them just being the accessibility of podcasts. And so, you know, the reality is it, it's 2020 now. You know, we all have smartphones. Everybody has the opportunity to just literally, you know, with the tap of a, a thumb or, you know, a swipe and a tap, you can listen to podcasts. I mean, they're, they're just everywhere. And so I think that one of the great things about podcasting and one of the reasons that they're really becoming a main fabric in today's digital media is just because they're so accessible. Mm -hmm. Like the blog of yesterday, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, things yeah. move so quickly. Blogs were, were the thing and it wasn't that long ago. So, yeah. You know, it's absolutely. pretty, pretty incredible. So what's the best single piece of advice that you feel that you give your clients? It could be a few things, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> both nodding piece. their heads like, hmm. <laughs> so I think for me, the, the main piece of advice that I would give somebody is one, just to, to be willing to take the risk, especially for people who don't have a background in broadcast or don't have a background in some sort of marketing or media. It can be a bit of an unknown. And so it can feel very awkward to just kind of put yourself out there. There's a level of vulnerability that you have to have to say, here's who I am. Here's my message. I hope somebody finds and, you know, appreciates this. But even outside of that, I, I think the biggest piece of advice I would always give somebody is to give it a fair shot. I think one of the, the most common mistakes that I find with new podcasters 
is that they'll start, they don't see the immediate results that they like to have after one episode, five episodes, six episodes. And so they just kind of taper off. I think the challenge is that this is really kind of a long, long game. You have to be committed to it and really see the opportunity that's out there with podcasting and be willing to to see it through to the end. Hmm. Yeah, I was 100% affirm that. I think, Mitch, you were saying even before we started recording about someone saying, how much do you make off of your podcast and that type of thing? And you were even discouraging them away from podcasting. I think that's there's a lot of wisdom there. Even for myself, I was a part of doing a podcast this past summer that hit number one in all of Apple Podcasts. We partnered with someone who kind of almost assured that we were going to hit number one and have a successful show. And since July, it's gotten 18 million downloads. And even for that podcast, it's taken a long time for us to see any type of financial <laughs> return What's the show? on that. What's the, so what, it's what, called Culpable. It's an investigative true crime podcast. Oh, and I love I love some of those. Yeah, yeah. so I, I got to go out with a team of phenomenal private investigators and go out and follow them around with microphones and insert I mean, some a of them, few questions. Some of them, they're, they're literally making into Netflix movies. I just saw one recently that started yeah, as a podcast. Absolutely. And it wound up becoming a movie. So it's, it's yeah. really fascinating. So let's geek out just for a little bit because this is, this is the question that I think most people ask. I know since I started podcasting here at UBS and others are trying to jump in, I get this question all the time. So for someone that's thinking about starting a podcast, what kind of equipment do you think they need? What are the basics? Give me some idea of costs, Is it, you know, and then, you know, talk about some other things like that. Yeah, great question. I would say, you know, obviously the essential piece of equipment that you need is a microphone. There's a lot of great advancements in technology and you can get a really good USB microphone even to plug into your computer for as little as like $69, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. The Audio-Technica 2100, the Samson, I think it's Q2U is another one that that's really nice. So yeah, you can really start as cheap as that if you have a computer with a USB port. We would also always recommend wearing headphones just so you can monitor your voice and know if you're distorting or if you're tapping on the cable or you're bumping your microphone, that type of thing. I'm wearing them now. I, I, every <laughs> show I wear them, even when I don't have to. I, I think it's really critical. Yeah. But I'm an old radio guy, so it just doesn't feel, it doesn't feel right. Yeah. So that's it. You know, sitting right next to me over here, this is Zoom H6. We really like those handheld recorders. You yeah. can take them on the go here in the studio. You guys have a great setup with the SM7B. So, you know, if you have like 500 to to $1,000, you can have a really professional recording setup. But don't feel like you need that to start with. You know, maybe start with a simple USB microphone. And then once you hit like episode 10, reward yourself with a new setup or something like that. But yeah, we have a lot of different specific equipment recommendations and even microphone reviews on our website. We're big fans. I think you're using over there the RE20, Electro Voice, phenomenal microphone. The dynamic microphones, you know, they only pick up what's right in front of them. And so they tend to be best, especially if you have a noisy environment, you don't have a professional recording studio you're using, maybe a spare bedroom or even a closet in some instances. So yeah, there's a lot of great equipment out there. We're actually developing some software to be able to record through our web app with Resonate Recordings. We actually already have like a single recorder that we built into our web app. So if you're just recording like a solo podcast, you can do that. We're actually working to develop like remote recording software. Even with the iPhone, like the microphone on the iPhone, I've had to use that at times. And, you know, it's really not that bad. There's 
there are worse sounding microphones out there. That brings up a great question. And I've been very fortunate. This is the 51st show and I have done 51 shows with people live in the studio or sitting in Larry King's living room or, or Steve Van Zandt, wherever, wherever I am. That's just me. I like that, even though I'm a radio guy and I did, did a lot of stuff on the phone for years. Is one better than the other or is it really just kind of personal choice? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of advantages to doing in-person interviews. Obviously, you can have a little bit more freedom and flexibility to try and treat the room and, and really put the time and attention into the details to make sure that the recording is as quality as possible. That being said, I would always recommend that if the only way that you can get on with somebody is to have a phone call, that it's better to have the content than to can it just because you can't be in person with them. So yeah, we, we would have certainly some recommendations of ways to be able to record a phone call or you know some sort of a remote recording and still be able to maintain at least as much quality as possible. We'll mention this later in the show because we're, we're also going to link to Resonate's website. But one of the things that I really love about even before I knew you guys as a site is I, I watched some of the videos, Jacob, that you had done. And now you have these great videos on your site to really just help people with these basics. I'm fortunate enough to have a relationship with Gary Vaynerchuk. And there's a guy that works for him. He's made world famous D-Rock. And David's just the coolest guy in the world. And he just really kind of follows Gary around and shoots video. And, and then they wound up starting a podcast back in 2000. And Gary was first with podcasting, first with YouTube. He's just, you know, someone in that world that's been that way. And he's put out from time to time a little shopping list of what you need for the podcast. And it was very interesting because exactly what he put out on the list is exactly what you guys told me, which made me feel really good. I really didn't have to spend that much money to get started. And I'm noticing with each show, I'm picking up just little things here and there that are making the show a little bit more interesting. So at Resonate, John and I have talked a lot and, and, and we had a talk in December of things that I could do differently with the show. What are some of the nuances that, that you think not necessarily get more people to listen? Because, you know, that's that's not, I mean, obviously everybody wants, you know, millions and millions of listeners. I just want people that are really interested in the topic to tune in. Whatever happens from there happens from there. But what are some of the nuances that you can add to a podcast that, that you would recommend? recommend maybe after you get 10, 20, 30, or let's say 51 under your belt? Yeah. So I think one of the great things that, again, not to sound like a, a broken record, but with, with podcasting, there's so much flexibility. And so one of the things that I really, really like about stylistically about podcasts is the ability to just add in lots of layers. So whether that's layers of narration or voiceover or music in the background, just adding in different layers to really engage people. Because at the end of the day, that's, that's really what you're doing. No matter what your message is, you're asking your listeners to take 20, 30, 40 minutes of their day and listen to you talk. And so whatever you can do to deliver, obviously, quality content, give them, you know, a great conversation, highlight something great that you feel like they're going to benefit from, but then also find ways to be able to engage with them and really capture and keep their attention, I think is fantastic. You know, it's pretty popular for there to be kind of, you know, a soundbite or something in the, in the very beginning that's kind of like a hook that draws people in, you know, and a lot of people feel like that's kind of gimmicky, but really at the end of the day, it's you're, you're trying to get people excited about saying, hey, sit down, relax, enjoy what I'm about to give you here over the next 20, 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. So there's 700,000 podcasts. There's a lot of really great podcasting going on. But what are your favorite podcasts to listen to and why? Yeah, so I've always been a, a true crime junkie. Back in the day before I started Resonate, I worked a desk job in medical billing. And it was a very kind of job where I could listen to podcasts and it didn't require a lot of attention with my job. So originally, the first podcast I ever listened to, as did probably many people, would have been Serial. And I think just kind of hearing 
the story. Great entry. <laughs> yeah. Just a great entry yeah. level. You know, the behind the scenes, feeling like you're a part of that and kind of like you essentially can make up your own mind of what happened, what went wrong there. I think that's something that about podcasting that's really cool. It's uh, you have this sense of almost crowdsource investigating going on where people feel like they're a part of the investigation behind the scenes. Everything old is new again. I mean, basically what Serial was and many of the podcasts that are kind of story podcasts, I mean, that's how radio started. Mm. And, you know, the Philco Radio Theater, and I have a 92-year-old mom and, you know, always talks about some of the old radio shows and the Lone Ranger and obviously the the famous Orson Welles and, you know, H.G. Wells story and War of the Worlds. And some of those podcasts today that are storytelling, I think are fascinating too. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I think people really like that. How about you, John? Yeah. So kind of in the same same vein, I, I love true crime. But really for me, I think it's it comes down to just having a good narrated story. You know, whatever, you know, whatever the content might be for me, really, at the end of the day, it's just about having somebody to be able to kind of narrate and tell a really good story that's engaging. Like Jacob said, make make you as the listener feel like you're there, you're invested. It's something that you can identify with and, and really settle in and say, yeah, this is really exciting. Let's see where this goes. If you had to look at all the genres that are out there in podcasting, is there is there one or two that there seems to be the most podcasts in that specific area? Specific to like narrative style? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah true crime is, you know, pretty popular, I would say. Right. Most of them are outside of that. Do you have any? Music? Ideas? Music? Yeah, there, there's some really cool music podcasts out there and centered around sounds. One that I can think of off the top of my head is 20,000 Hertz. It's a really cool one. I think they won a Webby last year. They were actually up against Up and Vanished, which is one of our clients, which is how I heard about them. Yeah, as far as like just overall popularity in the genres, I know that like the comedy genre or right. category is a very popular category. I believe also the business category is another right. very popular category. People want to learn, right? I mean, I, th- I think yeah. a lot of it is is the education side. And I think that, at least for me, that's what makes this so interesting for me. What I loved from my days working with Larry King, which is really where all of this started for me and being curious and and meeting all these people every night and, and hearing the questions he was asking of really fascinating people. Yeah. And I like to learn about fascinating people. Right now, a podcast that I'm loving is called Mobituaries. It sounds like the weirdest thing in the world, but this is a guy, Mo Rocca, who's on CBS News on Sunday morning. And he's fascinated with, you know, different stories of people's lives. And he tells the story that maybe you haven't heard. So for example, a few weeks ago, he did a story on Laura Branigan and the St. Louis Blues hockey team. And for those that are hockey fans, a couple of years ago, the St. Louis Blues were the worst team in hockey after about four months. And one night they were out at a bar, the, half the players, they were just depressed. And someone went over to the jukebox. They were actually in Nashville. They were playing the Predators. And they, they played Laura Branigan's Gloria. And the, they all got excited and, and they liked the song. Some of them hadn't heard it for, for whatever reason. So they played it a little bit in the locker room. They won a game. They played it. They won it again. And then they started putting it on the loudspeaker in their auditorium. They won on a 27-game win streak. And they wound up winning the Stanley Cup. Not even knowing that Laura, Laura, the story of Laura Branigan's life, which actually is very, very sad. So it was just really interesting hearing a little bit more in depth about people. And he actually interviewed someone recently who writes the obituaries for the New York Times, who said that years after she's gone, some of the obituaries she's writing now, I mean, she's writing Cardi B's obituary, for example. I mean, they, they start very young. So, so let's talk about like, the one-on-one interview versus adding other dimensions. So you work with different people doing all kinds of different shows? 
Give us a couple examples of some other shows. Yeah, I'd say in total, we're probably close to about 600 podcasts that we've worked with to date. So obviously with that number of podcasts, there's a lot of similarities, but a lot of differences. So we've got, you know, monologue style podcasts, one person just kind of speaking and addressing the listener. I've got, you know, interview style podcasts, roundtable podcasts, narrative style podcasts. So we kind of run the gamut on the types of content that we get to handle at Resonate. Yeah, I think you know, a lot of the kind of like narrative storytelling style podcasts, there can be a lot of complexity there. You can have an interview like this that we're recording, and then you might have a a narrator that comes back in and narrates through the podcast. And you may even remove the person that originally asked all the questions voice from the original recording. So that would be, you know, I would, I'm trying to think of a particular podcast like that, even like Culpable. That's how we did that. We would go out and do the interviews and then we would come back and actually remove all of our voices from the interview. And then Dennis, our host and writer, would actually write narration around that and kind of like telling the story more so like the listeners part of that. And then, how, how important is scripting? I think it really varies depending on the person. Some people are really good kind of on the fly. I would not be one of those people. And then I think some people want to have like a word for word transcript. Yeah, so I think it really depends on your gifting and kind of your natural preference on that. But I mean, I think at the very least, having some sort of a general outline is going to be beneficial and serve you well whenever you're preparing for your podcast. And some people, you know, like to have a a scripted out podcast. But I would say, you know, even with that, there needs to be a level of practice there so it doesn't sound like you're just reading a script. You know, the listener, I think at least I want it to feel the podcast I listen to, not like they're scripted and not like they're just reading. Well, it's about about listening, right? So, I mean, this is from my days in radio. I I learned this, too, and I've always found that you have to have some kind of a script here and there, but an outline. But if I'm focusing and I'm sitting here, folks, with an iPad that has a bunch of different questions and different ideas and thoughts that I've had. But if I'm not looking at you right now, Jacob, and listening to what you're saying, but I'm going ahead with my next question, and if I'm the listener, boy, I'm done with that podcast. Yeah. Because mm. I I want to I want to be in their ears. I really want to know what they're thinking. And you may have just said something that triggers something that I wasn't thinking about when I was preparing for the podcast. Yeah. I'm a big believer in preparation. I probably spend more than most, but I I spend you know at least two to three hours minimum, sometimes a lot more, in preparing for each episode. Yeah, I I would say really kind of second to having really poor recording quality, having a host of a podcast that's really just interested in kind of tearing through or running through just their litany of questions and not really having that connection, not really, you know, speaking to their guest is really kind of a common thing that we see is kind of a source of tension with new podcasters. Something that we really try and help people understand of, you know, yes, come prepared, have your list of questions, have a general idea and agenda for what it is that you're trying to do. But really at the end of the day, you're having a conversation. One of the things I like to do from time to time is I have kind of a group of listeners that I, I'll, th- I'll say, listen, I'm interviewing some guys today, for example, about podcasting. Give me a question. And Jeff from Raleigh, North Carolina had a real interesting question that I thought I would throw in today. Can you comment on the notion that a podcast is like a record album, yet a lot of people sample just one song or podcast? The value of a relevant podcast interview with someone of interest to a listener means that they may not subscribe, but listen selectively to your interviews. Any comments or thoughts on that idea? I'll start by saying I've actually never heard that. Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, I I think one of the benefits of that would be even like yourself, Mitch, having a a very well-known guest on who may 
draw someone in to listen to your podcast. And with that, you have a huge opportunity there. You're able to pull from your well-known, notable guest audience, and they're going to come in and maybe listen to just that one episode. But, you know, if your podcast hooks them in, and that would be the goal of it, then you might win them over and they're going to listen to the entire record. I know for myself, as listening to music, there's times where there will be just one song that I'll listen to, and then I may go on to listen to another song from that artist. And if I don't like it, I may, may move on, but there's many time, been many times I know where I've listened to other songs. I'm like, oh man, I'm going to add that entire album or that entire record to my playlist. And then, you know, that's how often and that's, I think. And that's very generational. I mean, you know, for those of us that grew up without playlists, so to speak, we may, may made our own cassette tapes, but we would listen to the album from beginning to end and and, and really appreciate the beauty of a, of a Born to Run, for example. Yeah. There's my Springsteen reference of the week, but even Abbey Road or Sgt. Pepper or, or Revolver or any of the, the great Beatle albums. All right, before we wind up, how about a little lightning round? Because we could go on forever here, but my goal is to try to make a podcast as long as not too long, somewhere in the 25 to 30 minute range. And for me, I listen to a lot of podcasts when I walk my dogs, which I do a lot. Mm. So if someone's walking their dog, they're getting close to their driveway now. So we have a couple of questions. So how do podcasts make money? I would say ad sales, sponsors, and also just by gaining loyal listeners who are going to be loyal to the message, just like a blog. Blogs don't formally make money necessarily, but they're a marketing tool that businesses and individuals use to grow and build their brand and their audience. Okay. Yeah. And providing exclusive content for listeners. Yeah. Big, big, big. Walk slower. You're getting closer to your driveway. There you go. John, (laughs) what analytics should podcast hosts pay attention to? Yeah, that's a great question. Something that we're asked pretty frequently. I would say, obviously, knowing how many listens you have, how many downloads, subscribers. I think another really powerful statistic, too, is the length of listens, how much of the content people are listening to. That helps you understand, you know, how much of your episodes they're really tuning in for. You know, if you're putting out regular content, but people are only listening to the first five minutes of it. That should give you some pause to say, hey, let's go back to the drawing board. Let's figure out what's not working. What can I do, whether it's stylistically, the style of content, how I'm structuring my episode to make me go back and, you know, really kind of keep people on for the long haul. What's the perfect length of an episode, you know, when you're advising your folks? Yeah, I think it depends on how consistent you're going to release. But I would say anywhere from 20 to 40 minutes is kind of a sweet spot. John, you feel that way? Yeah, absolutely. Pretty much? Yeah, and I would say that whatever the, the genre of podcasts would be, there would be some flexibility. Obviously, a lot of narrative-style podcasts, you know, it's hard to squeeze that content into something that would be 20 minutes, so they might trend a little bit longer. But I would say, really, at the end of the day, it's knowing who your audience is and what they're going to find the most value in. So, you know, you can be a large podcast with a large following, and if your content is 60 minutes or, let's say, Joe Rogan, and it's three hours long, right? he's got the listeners to support that, so he can do whatever he wants. So. Well, and even Mark Maron, who has as fantastic guests. I mean, yeah. I mean, those shows are an hour and a half. Yep. I'll find out when he, you know, just go to the part where he's interviewing the guests and yep. I'm interested in hearing what Obama's saying or whoever he's got on and actually interviewed Springsteen, which was, which was actually really good. Spotify or Apple or both? What other services? So definitely both. Apple still at this point holds kind of the lion's share. So you can't, uh, can't count them out yet. When we do a, a new submission for a podcast, we submit to Apple, Google, Spotify, TuneIn, and Stitcher, and then any others that you know, the podcaster would, would like. But Apple and Spotify, for sure, are the two main ones. Mm-hmm. What are the benefits of building a podcast website? Yeah, I think the main benefit is to 
post your show notes, resources, anything that you mention in your podcast for your listeners. Also, another thing to consider is all of your listeners may not have an iPhone or Spotify downloaded, so they may want to listen through their computer. And I think a, a website allows your listeners to go and listen through their web browser on their computer, but also most of our clients or a lot of our clients will post show notes and relevant links and those type of things on on a website. Yeah, it's a way for you to engage with your audience outside of the podcast audio. I know SEO is kind of like a keyword that people really love to hone in on, but really at the end of the day, it's... engine optimization for all you at home that don't know what that is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, really at the end of the day, it's for you as a podcaster to get your content out there so that when somebody goes to Google or some other search engine and they put in something that hopefully your podcast is going to pop up as one of the top searches. Do you suggest a trailer for every episode? Or a trailer just to let people know about your show? Yeah, so I'd say the traditional answer is usually one for each season. I personally love the idea of having some sort of a teaser or trailer for every episode just because it drives engagement. So whether that's a formal audio trailer or whether it's something in video, like, you know. Well, the audiograms, you you guys create these audiograms for me. And a shout out to Colby there, who does a lot of these. (laughs) Really, really fantastic. And I've gotten a lot of positive feedback. And actually, so now here's something where it just, I wasn't expecting to ask this, but I was reading recently about someone who had a podcast for many years and they decided, you know what? I feel like I just have enough bites in a minute. Instead of doing the 30-minute episode, I'm just going to do 30 bites. And they'll ask that person one question, they'll get that answer, they'll put it out. What's your feeling about that? Interesting. Yeah, I would say if you can post consistent content more regularly, that's fantastic. We've had a couple of podcasters that we've worked with that have done shorter, like five to 10 minute episodes, and they've done them daily or, you know, three times a week. So I love that idea. And I would say, again, if that's what your listeners are going to, you know, enjoy, and that's something that you you feel like is going to be a really valuable tool for you to be able to communicate with your listeners, I think that's fantastic. And I, I find people finding my show through Spotify, through Instagram stories and things like that, using some of the audiograms that you guys have created brought in a lot of listeners on a couple of especially Springsteen-related episodes since (laughs) I seem to uh, have the market on on Springsteen (laughs) fans around the world. So, guys, Jacob, John, thank you so much for your time today. We're going to link up to Resonate Recording. Just because they're in Louisville, Kentucky, folks, doesn't mean if you're in California and we're we're heard in at least 31 countries, I found out from Spotify last year. These guys, apparently you work with people all over the world, right? Yeah, international, absolutely. Yeah, which is terrific. So I've had a great experience. I definitely think you should check out their website, learn more, watch the training videos, and learn how you too can join the uh, podcast parade, so to speak. <laughs> I know I'm biased but I couldn't be happier working with these folks in bourbon country. Yes, we got bourbon in there somewhere. They are from Louisville, Kentucky. What's your favorite bourbon? Eagle Rare. Eagle Rare. I'm going to go Weller 12-year. Ooh. Both from Buffalo Trace. So. Very nice. That was a birthday present that someone got me. So I, I love that Weller 12-year. Again, love the way you guys work, the great editing on these shows, timely deliveries, helpful advice. So thank you both. It's really great that it worked out that you're in town. Thank everybody as all for listening, subscribing, and sharing this program. Special thanks to my pal here, Anthony Pastore, letting me use the UBS studio every now and then to record these special episodes. Really, really makes this a lot more fun and reminds me of my radio days, so gives me a kick. And remember, when saving for your future, pay yourself first. Have a great week. Thank you.